Hey Ralph, how are you doing? I'm doing well, Jim. Today, how are you doing? I'm doing okay. Uh, we have our music back today. And uh, we're obviously then in our university office studio uh, where we can get our music, which is a nice feature. Uh, and uh, one of the things that we are going to talk about today is some of the ways that you can be positive uh, that your child-rearing practices are going well. Oh, okay. But to do that, we're going to talk first about some of the things that can happen when child-rearing practices go off the rails. Okay, yeah, we, we're going to look at that today. In fact, we're going to look at a, a study out of uh, New Zealand. But before we do, let's just review. The last couple of weeks, we've been looking at things like empathy and success. And uh, one of the things that we've concluded is that uh, school is important, preschool is important, and reading is important for all, all of these. Uh, all of those things. Yeah. And, you know, we, we tried to emphasize, but uh, maybe didn't get the message through, that if you have a pre-reading age child, that reading to the child is very important. Yeah, good point. Okay. So... A while ago, Ralph, we did a, a series on what we called, or what are called ACEs, Adverse Childhood Experiences. And these ACEs ideas, or the idea of the ACEs concept, came from a study that was done at, uh, uh, in California with uh, Chrysler Permanente uh, patients. Okay. And the... Um, the therapist involved did a, a TED talk probably in 2016 or so and it was one of the first um, uh, talks that communicated the the importance of uh, these adverse childhood experiences later on in life. You know, it's been reported in journals like Journal of Child Abuse that, that child abuse is not a good thing. Uh, right? Right. Yeah. We obviously all know that. But when you say uh, later in life, you're talking about some long-term things that happen well after childhood? Yes. Uh, and in fact, uh, we have things like uh, uh, health problems, not mental health problems, although, you know, that's what we do see, but we have physical health problems. Um, these children who had adverse uh, uh, childhood experiences may end up as adults with uh, hypertension, uh, um, uh, high blood pressure. Uh, okay, so um, leading to heart attacks or strokes. Yeah. yeah. Uh, and diabetes is higher for people with ACEs in childhood. Mm -hmm. And then there's some social things too, um, like uh, a higher incidence of divorce. Okay. Um, a, a higher incidence of later substance abuse. So the first first um, person that uh, we have that gave us you know the awareness of this was I think a, uh, a physician. I think her name was Nadine Harris, and we'll put that up under uh, Learn More. Okay. And in fact, if you are interested, uh, listeners, you can go back in our history, probably. A year and a half ago or so and find the uh, five-part series that we did on adverse childhood experiences and that's the one where we talked to Jim Gerhardt and we talked to uh, Bridget and you know, yeah. we, we looked at at ACEs from 
uh, up and down on both sides now. <laughs> and uh, what we found was um, pretty scary. Yeah, I mean, the, the long-term effects were, I think, um, uh, something that we really hadn't you know, appreciated up to, up to this point. So we wondered, uh, is this just a California phenomenon? Or is this a U.S. phenomenon or a Western phenomenon? And more recently, Ralph, you and I have been trying to look at uh, international psychology. Remember the, the one that we did on green spaces was yes. from uh, yes. University of British Columbia. Right. Okay, well, a study that we're going to take a look at today was from the University of Auckland in New Zealand. Yeah. Now, if uh, this is only a Western phenomenon, then kids who experience uh, abuse, abusive relationships, or who, who are growing up in a household where there is mental illness, or there's uh, 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 violence, or someone has gone Divorce, to jail. Divorce, uh, yeah. substance abuse, yeah. uh, and emotional abuse, which, uh, you know, somebody may say, well, I've never struck my child, but if they are an emotional abuser, uh, the damage is probably just as bad. Yeah, uh, whoever said uh, sticks and stones will break my bones, but the names will never hurt me. I think names are more toxic than the sticks yeah. and stones. Yeah. So if um, it's only a California or a Western phenomenon, then if there are children who have experienced high ACEs in a place like New Zealand, if they have no residual effects, then I think we conclu could conclude that it's, it's a, a Western phenomenon. However, the researchers at uh, Auckland uh, University or University of Auckland found essentially the same results that Harris reported in yeah. her um, uh, TED Talk. What is that? Now it's about you know, six years or so ago. Yeah, and one of the things, Jim, that you just spoke about was high ACEs. Now, what do we mean by high? Okay, that's a good question. Um, uh, with with one adverse childhood experience, that is an adult who yeah, uh, was uh, uh, mean to a kid, hit a kid, or uh, abused a, a child, the uh, uh, you know that's that's one ace. Well, they found that um, four or more really contributed to uh, later malfunctioning. Now, in the ACEs scale, um, the one that Harris talks about, and the one that I'm, I'm using now, and my wife is using, there are 10 uh, different categories. Okay. And so you could get a score of anywhere between 0 and 10. Right. Now, unfortunately, you could end up having multiple uh, uh, ACEs, multiple adverse childhood experiences, on one of the dimensions. For example, if a child is being sexually abused, that's okay. often not a one-off uh, event. It's, so multiple times? Yeah. Now, as far as I uh, um, have seen, we don't have a way of looking at the multiples um, so that you know you have some sort of a multiplying effect on the 10 categories. So we're just going to use the 10, the 10 categories. Okay. Uh, even though Sheila has seen adults who um, she would say, you know, score 15 or 20 because she's sort of multiplying these things in her, her head. Okay, yeah, well, it makes sense. Yeah. Uh, Anyhow, what Harris talked about and what the 
uh, University of Auckland people um, found is that four or more, four or more adverse childhood experiences um, will have a significant impact on health, both physical, mental, and social relational health later on in life. So, for example, uh, uh, mom gets divorced, uh, there's a new guy who comes into the home, uh, and all of a sudden he goes to jail because he's been abusing substances, and another guy comes in, uh, gee, we're already at four. Yeah, yeah, no, no question. And uh, the scenario that you uh, have just uh, outlined, Ralph, is um, uh, mild to the scenarios that a number of people who are in uh, mental health, the mental health profession, uh, see on a you know pretty much an ongoing basis. Yeah. So we we do have a problem. However, the nice thing about it, if there is a nice thing about it, is that it's somewhat reversible. And if you remember the the uh, uh, podcast that we did with Bridget. Yes. Uh, Bridget is uh, my daughter, and she's a social worker, and she works with a lot of kids who are, have been, been adversely impacted uh, at an early age and sees them later on. Um, but one of the things that we talked about, and uh, we, we are now seeing it reported in, in the literature, is that some of the damage of adverse childhood experiences can be mitigated, and there's a COVID Nineteen word that I'd like yeah. to see taken out of the, you know, okay. the language, <laughs> but it can be mitigated by um, even one caring adult in the child's um, uh, uh, circle. You know, so a caring oh. teacher or a caring social worker, caring therapist. You know. Yeah, or a grandmother, or uh, perhaps, uh, although one hesitates to to use this in today's climate, but a Boy Scout leader or a Girl Scout leader. Yeah, yeah. You know, um, a pastor, yeah, youth, youth minister, you know. So, uh, and again, maybe these folks don't realize how important they are when it comes to helping, uh, there's that word again, mitigate um, the adverse experiences that a lot of children do uh, experience. Now, in your practice, Jim, you uh, you deal with a lot of younger clients with with children. Uh, let no, me ask you: younger clients who are children? Who are children? Yeah, they, yes. they do not have the, the eight-year-olds have not do not have children yet. Ralph. <laughs> okay, <laughs> let's be clear on that. Uh, so, uh, how how large a percentage would you say is uh, the clients that you have seen who have ACEs, is it like 50% or 60%? Um, uh, roughly 100%. Okay, yeah. so most of the child time, a child who ends up uh, seeing a therapist has had a background and includes the four or more ACEs. Yeah, yeah, I would say that's that's true. Now, I have to have to preface this by saying that uh, by the time children get to our clinic, um, a lot of very talented people have worked with them, uh, okay. social workers and community mental health 
school psychologists, and things just you know have not worked out. And so, the the kids that that we get, and and the adults that we get for that matter, are um, uh, uh, fairly traumatized. I mean, it's they're they're. Uh, it's not a kid who's just had a slap in the, on the uh, hand by, you know, some adult. Okay, yeah. And, you know, one of the things that at least uh, parents who are listening to this uh, get overly fearful, uh, I can tell you that uh, by most reports, I'm reasonably sane and, uh, and not a bad guy. Uh, and... Was I spanked at home? Uh, yes, a few times. Did I deserve it the few times that I got a spanking? Yes. Uh, was I yelled at? Yes, a few times. Did I deserve to be yelled at at that point? Yes. You know, so if you're thinking, well, I, I just gave my, uh, my child who dumped over the five pound bag of flour in the kitchen, and now I've got four pounds of flour on my kitchen floor and a kid who's white. Uh, and I walked in and I just gave him a swat in the butt. Um, you probably haven't inflicted permanent uh, psychological permanent, yeah. damage, right? So, you know, if you, if you do uh, raise your voice to a child, sometimes, not very often, uh, probably no traumatic damage. Yeah, yeah, I think that's that's fair but, fair to say. But if you can avoid doing it, it's it's better. It's yeah. better because anytime you model um, out of control behavior, then what you're saying to the kid, covertly at least, is hey, it's okay to uh, have out of control behavior. Yeah, and uh, yeah, we really don't want that. You know, we would like. That in your scenario, we would like mom to take a deep breath or dad to take a deep breath, uh, dust the kid off and say, let's get a broom and sweep this stuff up. Yeah. You know? And, you know, I'm just saying that not all of us in all situations behave ideally. So we know what we should do. We know what the goal is, uh, which Jim has just articulated. If we kind of lose it for 10 seconds, not bad, but if a kid grows up being called meathead by his dad every time he uh, he has an Archie Bunker movement uh, moment, uh, you know it's uh, it's not a good thing. No, and that's where we get that uh, repetition of of abuse, either verbal abuse or or physical you know abuse. Belittling a child is. Uh, uh, is damaging. It's damaging to the uh, child's uh, image of self, self-esteem. Okay, now Ralph, you said that we were going to talk about you know, ways that we can uh, can help parents to understand their their children, and you've been um, looking for the last couple of weeks at something here uh, on the desk. Do you want to talk a little bit about it? Yeah, it's uh, it's a little um, overhead uh, that we've used uh what's it like being a child today you know the interesting thing is that you've talked before about your good experiences growing up in Sault Ste. Marie and uh, 
in some some ways they're kind of idyllic but you make the point that maybe it's harder today than it was uh, 50 years ago in a small steel town like uh, Sault Ste. Marie. Yeah, uh, and you know, so if you spend time wondering if your parents are going to split or if they already have, living in a one-parent home is difficult. It's yeah. difficult. Uh, being alone a lot of the time if you're in a one-parent home and, and uh, your mom or dad is working, uh, and there's no money for caregivers. Um, you're home alone a lot. Um, if you're small, uh, maybe on weekends you end up being uh, um, alone uh, with a caregiver. Okay. Uh, now, it might be a good caregiver, like maybe a grandma. Okay. Or it might be a paid caregiver who is perhaps a little indifferent. Okay, so being alone as a kid is something. And it's kind of interesting with uh, the current uh, pandemic, uh, a lot of children are spending more time alone. Uh, maybe mom or dad uh, are back at work. Uh, schools are, are opening or closing. And when the school is closed, you know, the child may very well be uh, home alone. Yeah. Okay. And maybe, you know, with, um, with some of the parents being so wrapped up in their own uh, situations, maybe a child has little real contact with an adult. You know, that's an excellent point. Um, they have a lot of contact with their media, you know, uh, some sort of an artificial uh, voice sometimes, but maybe little in the way of contact uh, with uh, with parents. And it's important that the kids actually sit down and talk to their parents and vice versa, because without this contact, uh, the child grows up without any negotiating skills. I was yeah. telling you about the 16-year-old that this week has finally realized that she's not going to die, she's not going to take her own life, but that she lacks some skills when it comes to negotiating the environment that she finds or, herself in. Or just making basic decisions like, now I've graduated from high school, uh, do I become a welder, an electrician, or go to university? Uh, because whatever I do, I want to get out of my toxic environment. Mm -hmm. yeah. You know, uh, and and that leads to another thing that, that uh, is talked about most of the talk you hear is coming from machines that's yeah that's true and uh, and it's a kind of a mechanical talk you know also one of the things that uh, uh, I came across this week is uh, a um, an indictment against social media and no Ralph it's not it's not Instagram or Twitter. It's a new one that I have not experienced before called TikTok. Oh, yeah. Uh, very popular now. And apparently there's quite a relationship between uh, poor mental health and uh, uh, exploring TikTok. Now, I'm going to... Why, why do I drill down on this? Well, I see from the uh, schedule that you and I are going to be talking about social media in the next few weeks or so. Yeah. And so, you know, I'm, you know, I know about Facebook. You know, I know a little bit about some of these other ones, but but uh, 
I guess there's stuff out there that uh, an old guy like me just hasn't uh, experienced yet. Yeah, and um, you know, and I think part of the thing is that children naturally seek companionship. Mm -hmm. yeah. Now, if we live in a world where uh, people are afraid to send their children out independently to play, which uh, you and I did a lot of outdoor free range kind of playing when we were kids, but it was a different world then. Uh, and so you can't go outside and play. Uh, the adult in your life or adults in your life uh, are self-absorbed. Uh, and so you've got nobody to talk to uh, there, what do you do? Well, you're still seeking companionship, so you turn to electronic media. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And it gives you a sort of pseudo companionship. And I say pseudo because you invest as a, as a child or adolescence your time into the media, and the media at one point seems uh, happy to be with you. And then you will say uh, something on social media and somebody will say, oh, that's terrible, I'm going to unfriend you. And the next thing you know, you're in a downward spiral uh, on social media and in reality. Yeah, okay. Because, you know, an adult can handle, well, I don't care. I put out my opinion. If you differ with it, that's fine. If you want to unfriend me, that's fine. Even I, some adults have problems with that, Ralph. Yeah, but most of the time we can say, well, that's, uh, that's your loss, buddy. Uh, but yeah. kids have a lot harder time saying. Yeah. So the, the bottom line here is that it is difficult today to be a kid and... Uh, yeah, it's probably difficult to be a, an adult, you know, also. So follow uh, uh, our uh, psychology takeaway as we uh, explore, you know, alternatives to yeah. uh, to uh, behaviors that are adaptive and uh, and healthy. Uh, hey, to conclude, if we could say we could back up a couple of weeks and say, hey, go take a walk with your kid today. Yeah, and. Okay. Uh, the other thing is, uh, as Jim uh, mentioned earlier, um, try to stay in control. If, uh, if you're tempted to uh, raise your voice, walk out of the room, count to 85 by threes. <laughs> okay, Ralph, yeah, you've given us some good ideas here. And uh, so to our listeners, we will uh, sign off saying, um, Take a look at Learn More. Uh, there's some valuable information down there. And hey, keep your stick on the ice. Because we're all in this together. together.